Let's see if I remember how to do this. It's been a while. Welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Keep your friends close. And your enemies closer. Today we'll be discussing Ocean's Echo by Everina Maxwell. Dumpster fire walking, Tennel is self-medicating and self-indulging in an effort to cope with the enhanced mental capabilities of his reader brain. He's living the charmed life of a socioeconomically advantaged civilian as if there are no consequences. Until there are, you know, consequences. The next thing he knows, he's forcibly enlisted in the cavalry and bullied into sinking with a babysitter, aka architect, Lieutenant Surrett. Hardworking Lieutenant Surrett is a model soldier. He doesn't plan to disobey orders, but when he is ordered to sink with the non-consenting tunnel, Surrett is forced to reevaluate why a social pariah like him was given this opportunity in the first place. There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for themes surrounding a lack of consent. Just in general. Yep. Choices who? Free will. Meh. Who needs it? <laughs> Do you think we should start out by explaining what a reader is and an architect is? Okay, this book is, I, I would say, a light sequel to Winter's Orbit, which we actually reviewed on a prior episode. I say light sequel because it's almost entirely a standalone. Yes. It takes place primarily in Orshan Sector, which is a space place. <laughs> A space place. <laughs> Which have hidden some things from the resolution that you learn about in the first book. One of the things that they did was they took these remnants, which are alien artifacts, and used them to genetically modify people into architects and readers. Architects are able to write commands into your brain. So they basically do the Jedi mind trick on you. Rude. <laughs> Readers are able to read your thoughts. Also rude. And for some reason, that's considered worse than architects. Mm. I honestly <laughs> kind of struggled to wrap my mind around. It's like, hmm, do I want someone to read my thoughts or force me to do things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for some reason... Readers were scapegoated. They're the bad ones. 20 years before the start of the book, there was this civil war where the readers rebelled. This famous general, Merit Yeni, ended up switching sides from the architects to the readers and exploding the lab that they were doing all the experiments in. She's considered this huge traitor and it's just terrible and horrible. And how dare she? Mm-hmm. This wasn't all that long ago that this stuff happened, which I thought was interesting, you know, that they did all these experiments and everything 20 years ago. And now our heroes are 20 years old. They were born during the war. Yeah. Even though no one really considered this, I guess, when they first started fucking with people's genetics, the babies inherited stuff. <laughs> what? Genetics are inherited? <laughs> Shocking, I know. <laughs> Rumor. <laughs> so while they tried and intended and supposedly obliterated most of the readers in Orshan Sector, the architects are still a thing. 
But then when the babies started growing up, oh, whoops, some of them are readers. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. As a result of all this monkeying around with genetics and whatnot and special abilities, they've been kind of cut off from the rest of the planets in the treaty, I think. If you're a reader or an architect, you're not supposed to be able to travel outside of Orshan Sector without special permissions or something. There's also this whole idea of creating a sink between two people, an architect and a reader. And since the readers are considered bad and horrible, of course, they're subservient to the architect. So essentially, it would be the architect linking their mind to the reader's mind and kind of overriding their control or having the ability to do so with very little effort. Hmm. And the sink is considered a permanent thing. So once that happens, (laughs) oh, well, I guess you're together forever now. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Typically, readers will be synced to pilots in the military and used to help navigate. I guess readers have a special ability to do that, which we learn about later in the book. It's just like this whole overwhelming feeling of icky. Yeah. I think the longer I think about it, the more icky it feels to me because the idea of someone just being in your head all the time and able to control you at any time with no effort whatsoever, able to read your mind, able to override you, essentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just kind of just icky, but also scary, too. And wasn't it like if they found a powerful reader, they were automatically brought into the military fold. They weren't given another option to have any other life. Right. There's this thing they do called conscription, where they force powerful readers to be synced in order to control them. Because everyone's so afraid of the readers. Again, I don't under like, I don't <laughs> understand why they're afraid of the readers. I mean, yeah, I don't want people reading my mind, but on the other hand, I don't want people forcing my body to betray me either. Well, that's absolutely fair. But you can tell <laughs> who has the power because they're saying who you should be afraid of. Yeah, for sure. I just oh, ugh. so many icks. Yes. And that icky place is exactly where Tennel finds himself, because he had himself some shenanigans. And his aunt, correct? The legislator? Yes. Was like, you know what? You done fucked up. And now you're mine. No, wait, scratch that. You're the military's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Save a body your life. <laughs> you are part of the cavalry. Enjoy life. No longer my problem. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm. So Tennell, our main character Tennell, has a proclivity for getting into trouble, I guess. He is a very, very, very powerful reader. He's essentially made it everyone's problem. He doesn't really do the deep reading, but he does a lot of what he calls surface level reading, just to gauge the room. He's very powerful, but he's also, he has headaches, like he has a difficult time coping with this. So some of the things and methods he uses to cope with this, his aunt doesn't particularly care for. Yeah, he describes it as his mind being too open, like he can't shut it off. Yes. 
And one of the things he likes to do is he likes to take special drugs and then go find a powerful architect to party with and have them just kind of take over for a while. Yeah. I guess in the realm of sexy times, okay, fine. As long as he's consenting, great. Unfortunately, the people he likes to party with are criminals. Yes, that's part of the problem that his aunt doesn't like. (laughs) (laughs) Must they be those our society deems criminal? Come on, kid. (laughs) He's kind of been hiding from his family, too. He had his wrist communicator disabled so that they couldn't track him anymore. And he's just been sort of on the run, doing his thing for about eight months. Until one morning, he wakes up and remembers it's the day of his sister's commencement ceremony. She's 16, and she's joining the legal academy. Yay, her! She's basically the only person Tennell cares about, I think. And you can kind of see why, because she's amazing. She really is. (laughs) She's a badass. (laughs) But he tries to just fix the communication aspect of his wristband so that he can call her. Unfortunately, he also inadvertently fixed the ability for others to locate him. Oops. Pretty much immediately, he's escorted back home to deal with his aunt. And on the way, he's given withdrawal drugs to deal with his... uh, Partying. His partying. Well, his coping, really. It doesn't quite feel the same as he's used to, though, because he's got like this raw, like itchy spot, like in his mind that he's not sure why it's there. And so begins the not consenting. (laughs) Yes. Things done to Tunnel without Tunnel's consent. Yes. (laughs) So when he gets to his aunt's house, he answers a phone call or a communication signal while he's waiting for his aunt to show up. And it's this Governor General Oma from the Archer Link station who wants him to pass along a message. And Tunnel's kind of really snarky with her. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, whatever. I think it's only important to bring that up because she becomes a major character later. And that's why Tunnel knows about her. Then the legislator confronts Tunnel and is like, um, yeah, no, what you've been doing is bad. I've put you on the conscription <laughs> list and you will be synced to an architect who will control you. And bye. By the way, that itchy spot in your brain, you've been primed. So you can't say no to syncing. Love you. Toodles. <laughs> or not love you. <laughs> I don't know. It's so odd. Like the situation with the aunt is just such a weird thing because she shows up again too. And it's, this is a plan. Oh, yeah. That she's put into motion right now. Tennell doesn't know. No. We don't know. We think she's just horrible. Yes. And, and she is horrible. Let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. There's just more here. to her horribleness than meets the eye. He is allowed to say goodbye to his sister. His sister's name is Zin. She guesses he's been conscripted, even though he pretends he hasn't. And she's telling him about how there's no legal basis for this and you were never formally written up for anything. Tennell kind of just plays it off like, no, it's fine. I'm okay. But before <laughs> before he leaves, she gives him a book called The Law and Codes of Manual Neuromodification. Tennell reads this and uses this to cause havoc. <laughs> <laughs> and fair enough. He is resisting. Viva la resistance. Now we get to meet Surrit, 
and Surrit is currently being yelled at by the district captain for crashing his ship to rescue chickens and goats. Woohoo! <laughs> Surrit's explanation for this is, I followed regulations and I take full responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. I really enjoyed this scene. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the district captain is just... She she just doesn't know what to say. <laughs> She's just at a loss for words. And Surrit comes off very straight-laced and yes sir, no sir type of thing. As a result of the crash, he's being transferred and the captain tells him that one of the options is a supposedly promotion track thing, but it seems almost like a setup. And she kind of cautions him against taking that option to be transferred to the regulators. But Surrit says he'll take it because it's promotion track. His goal in the military is to make captain, which will then allow him to restore the military pension to his, quote, alt parent, unquote, who's the person who raised him. Surrit's last name is Yenny. His mother was Merit Yenny, the traitor rebel who exploded her ship near the lab, went out in a blaze of glory and defiance. As a result, the military pension that was supposed to go to his other parent was denied. Surrit kind of just wants to right that wrong. He wants to ensure that, that the alt parent gets the money. He has a really conflicted relationship about his mom. And yeah, we've been using alt parent and gen parent and mother and all this sort of interchangeably, but this book and the prior book, they're interesting in how they deal with gender and family roles. In Orshan sector, if you want to be identified as male, you wear wood. And if you want to identify as female, you wear flint, I think. Anyone else is they, them, unless they tell you otherwise. Yes. And by gen parent, they mean like they used the majority of their genetic material in the child's conception or formation or whatever. Creation? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how the child was created. Yeah. And then the alt parent is a secondary kind kind of like how I think in the US we think of godparents or something in the event of the gen parent not being able to take care of the child you would go to the alt parent, but also sometimes they raise them together. So it could be like a dual parent situation too. It, I guess it just depends. Oh yeah. I mean, in Sarah's case, his gen parent died when he was super young, right? He didn't even know her. Exactly. Like, I think they say something like she saved her genetic material. Maybe there like, wasn't even alive when, I don't know. In Tennell's case, his alt parent is actually his aunt. Yes. So he has his mom and his aunt. Yes, different rules. It's kind of awkward to explain, but when you're reading it, it doesn't feel awkward at all. It just feels normal. Oh, this is how it works here. Maxwell does a good job at explaining it in context as the story's unfolding. It's just, it's awkward to kind of throw it in now <laughs> to give context to what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, especially because it doesn't really match up with the way we currently talk about gender and family roles and whatnot so yes one thing it does do which is cool is lend to the sci-fi 
paucity of the story, I think, because mm-hmm. it does seem futuristic in a way. Okay, so we get a two-week time jump. Surrey has been told he's going on a salvage retrieval mission, but he's kind of figured out through other means that it's located in dangerous, chaotic space. He has a meeting with an official who points out that Surrey has been hiding the strength of his architect ability. Technically, Surrey is considered a rank one architect, which means he's super duper powerful, but he really doesn't use his ability at all. I think he used it a little bit when he was a kid and his alt parent seemed to not like it. And so Surrey just kind of stopped. Let's just not do this then. (laughs) He's told he's being given a reader to sync with, which is a huge opportunity for him. And he accepts the assignment because he assumes that the reader has volunteered for this <laughs> because he's an idealistic boy. Yep. He clings to it. The idealism. Keep clinging. Meanwhile, over these two weeks, Tennell has been a total pain in the ass as much as possible. <laughs> he started claiming he's a civilian on a technicality. Until I'm synced or sign a recruitment form, I'm a civilian. I'm just a advisor. So I'm going to show up to the ship with all my shit. <laughs> Yeah, he brings all his shit with him, like, to put in his room. He starts getting the rankers, the lower-level soldiers on his side, buying him drinks and whatnot. He figures out the schedule and starts attending meetings uninvited because, you know, he's a consultant. That's what he's supposed to do. And the whole time, he continues doing this low-level reading that is technically illegal, just to kind of stay aware. And also, like you said, he can't necessarily help it. So when Surrey shows up to his quarters, which he is supposed to be sharing with Tennell, he opens the door to find Tennell in bed with someone, and Tennell is acting like these are his personal quarters. There's his stuff all over the place. He's got a sleepover friend. He's putting on a show. I think he's trying to freak Surrey out. He's also trying to test him see what kind of person he's being forced to pair with. Scared yet? Want to run? <laughs> <laughs> right? One of the unusual things that Tennell notices about Surrey is he doesn't see any light from him. Tennell, as a reader, he can tell architects by the sort of light, I guess, like a mind light or maybe like an aura or something. And he knows Surrey has to be a pretty high architect because he's supposed to be syncing with him. So he must have some pretty damn good shields to have no light coming out. Surrey recognizes Tennell as part of the legislator's family. So it's just all kinds of awkward. <laughs> Tennell tries to goad Surrey into writing him, you know, forcing him to do something. But Surrey refuses because writing without consent is illegal. Surrey has this sinking feeling during this whole situation. (laughs) Well, this was a setup. (laughs) Shit. And then he goes to find the highest ranking officer he can to tell them that he can't carry out his orders. And over the next few days, they just kind of avoid each other. Surrey picks up extra work because he's supposed to be spending time with Tennell, I guess, training him or something. But... He can't because Tennell's a civilian and he did not complete the sink because Tennell did not consent. At one point, they end up in a meeting together. Another one Tennell's not invited to. And afterward, they're stuck in an elevator together and Surrey 
can tell that Tennell went to the meeting high and tells him that he should go get a withdrawal shot from the medic. And Tennell says that the last time they did that, they primed him. So no shots for him. Thank you very much. Surik gently reaches out with his mind and finds that raw itchy patch in Tennell's mind and figures it out. And his response to that is, it's barbarous. Mm. Tennell is left going, yeah, no shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's really confused by Surit. He is a really jaded character, and he's just not expecting this (laughs) from from a soldier. Yes. Surit is left thinking, like, WTF, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, like, force an unwilling civilian to sink with me? I don't think so. This is terrible. This is not what I signed up for. (laughs) But he realizes that's what's expected of him. With the priming and everything, it's very obvious. So the commander of the ship, Commander Venice, finally shows up. Sir has a meeting with him and raises his concerns. Venice is mostly just concerned with the state of Sir's reader. Where is he? Why aren't you controlling him? Why haven't you synced? How dare you? When Sir brings Tennell back... To meet with Venice, Tennell is accused of reading and blackmailing other soldiers and then commands Surit to write the information out of him, which Surit does not want to do. And he tells Tennant that he can say no. And Tennant's like, just get it over with. Because Tennell knows what's up. (laughs) (laughs) He knows this is the game. It doesn't come to light at this point in the text, but I kind of wonder if at this point Tennant is thinking, you know, this poor man, he doesn't know any better. I need to just take care of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, write me so you don't get court-martialed at the beginning of the book. Okay, sir. (laughs) Yeah, like, clearly the dude won't want to be court-martialed for little old me. I don't mean anything to him. How far will his principles go, really? Right. It's easy to say no until there's consequences. Mm-hmm. That's as far as Tennell is concerned. So Surit delves into Tennell's mind. He likens it to the sea and he finds it really exhilarating, but also kind of terrifying. He finds himself almost drowning in Tennell's mind. It's difficult to write him, but he manages it, gets Turret to tell everyone that he's only been doing the surface level reading. And then the commander says, well, since you insist you're a civilian, you're going to be confined to your cabin until you're synced. And Surit, you're now his babysitter. Enjoy. It's basically a no-win situation for Tunnel because he's just going to be stuck in this cabin until he's synced. So it's kind of just like a forced thing. And Surit, I think, is also being bullied into the situation because he's not going to be able to progress at all in his career or do anything else until he's handled the situation. Surit still refuses to sink Tennell unless he consents to it. And Tennell refuses because he doesn't want it. He says no. But he's also waiting to see what kind of manipulation Surit is going to try on him. He's just holding out, waiting to see what will happen. What's his game? What's his deal? Days go by, okay? And Tunnel starts to get a little crazed because he's not eating, he's not sleeping, he's super paranoid. He's starting to look and, and act really bad. Like he, he's not doing well. <laughs> and finally, Surit confronts him because he's worried about his health. Tunnel's like, fine, you win, sink me. And Surit's like, yeah, no, I thought I would be sinking with a volunteer and I'm not going to follow an illegal order. It's just wrong and I'm not going to do it. 
He's just like, yeah. Oh, you had the misconception that I was messing with you. Yeah, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Sorry, I wasn't clear. (laughs) Suri says that Tunnel's just going to have to escape the army. Tunnel's like, well, dude, if you don't sink me, you're going to lose your career. You're going to be screwed over if you don't do this. You should just do it. Surit says they should fake it instead until Tunnel can escape. And my autocorrect turns Surit into Squirt. (laughs) (laughs) I have to fix that so I don't keep laughing. (laughs) Squirt. One of the reasons they decide to fake it is because neither of them have ever seen a synced pair. And they kind of figure most people haven't. And so they kind of figure it'll be pretty easy to pretend. And they work out some kind of signals. Tennell has a pretty good idea of what it's like to be written anyway, because of all his illicit affairs in the past where he took drugs to be written. Surik goes and tells Venice that he synced and now he's given a unit to command. Once he gets back to the cabin, he finds Tennell. Tennell is pretending to be synced, even though they're just private together. And Surik clarifies that no... Just in public, please. This is creepy. I don't like it. Tennell is surprised. I think he keeps trying to label Surit. Keeps trying to figure him out and he hasn't been able to still. He ends up telling Surit that part of the reason that he is there at all is because his aunt wanted him out of the way. They go back to the commander. They successfully fake a sink. And in doing so, they realize the commander is a neutral because he doesn't seem to understand any of this. And then there's another meeting with a bunch of other officers where they all learn that the retrieval mission is to collect remnants. Remnants, like I said, are artifacts from like a previous alien race that kind of have a weird effect on reality and you're not supposed to touch them. You learn a lot more about them in the first book. In this book, the remnants are used to conduct these experiments and create the architects and readers and whatnot. So we see a much more practical application of the remnants in this book compared to the first book. Oh, during the meeting, someone calls Surit into question as a risk because he's the child of Merit Yenny, the traitor. And Tunnel starts a distraction to protect Surit. Aww. And when Surit later thanks him, Tunnel's like, yeah, well, you just hold up your end of the deal, which makes me think, oh, he's still trying to figure out why why is this dude helping me is it help i don't know why is this dude not sinking me why is this dude not mind raping me why (laughs) what's in it for him that's what he wants to know exactly which when you get to know his aunt better later you can kind of understand why tenel thinks everybody has an angle yeah it's all quid pro quo in his family Mm mm-hmm Arrangements are made for Tennell to be trained as a pilot so that he can actually do his job that he's being forced to do. As time goes on, Tennell is starting to struggle with playing pretend. It's really hard for him to pretend to be someone else. He thinks back to, you know, oh, I pretended to not be an asshole for a while for an ex. How long did that last? He's really struggling. <laughs> he's starting to wonder, like, is mental freedom enough of a motivation? Surit calls a muster for his unit to get to know everyone and or everyone under his command and only one ranker shows up. So he and Tennell go out and start rounding up everyone else. Tennell helps retrieve them. He starts to realize that he can be valuable to Surit because he knows how to play the manipulation political game 
that Surit doesn't seem to either know how to do or want to do. And he starts now telling stories to make the crew like Surit more. And he does this over the course of the next while. Because initially, Surit's crew is prejudiced against him. They're testing him, hazing him. They know he's new and untried. They're fucking with him. (laughs) Yeah. So over the next couple days, Tenel gets some pilot training from one of the crew members named Istara. He gets to know basically everyone on the crew and share these wonderful heroic stories about Surit to make them all like him and learn all sorts of weird gossipy things. And then later back in their cabin, Tenel's able to share everything he's learned to Surit to help him out. And Surit's like, how the fuck do you do this? (laughs) How is this a thing you can do? And why? (laughs) I mean, he has to realize that it's a benefit to him because he's used to taking shit from crews under his command. He's used to that sort of bullshit and he's not experiencing it anymore thanks to Tenel. (laughs) In return, Surit tells Tenel when they're going to be next refueling, a.k.a hmm, you might be able to escape here, and suggests that if he knows someone to message for help, he should maybe send a message. Surit thinks that since they're going to be refueling near the Archer Link station, that Tunnel should use the Link to escape from the Orshan sector entirely. So the Link is like a warp hole, sort of. Yeah. Between locations, as far as they understand it. Yeah. And if he leaves Orshan Sector, then basically no one would be able to get him back. Now, granted, he would need special papers to be able to leave. So he'd need some sort of fake identity or or something. But it's an idea. And this is where General Oma comes back up because Tenel realizes, oh, she's in charge of Archer Link Station. I should send a message to her. He sends her like this secret coded message. However, Tennell is still trying to figure out what's in this for Surit. Why is he doing this for me? Why does he want to help me escape? Why won't he link me? Why is he keeping up this ruse? And he thinks he's gonna maybe pay him back by being his sexual partner. Granted, he's also just attracted to Surit, but I think that's how he rationalized it in his brain. Yeah. No, this is something I can do for him in return. And he comes on to Surit, but Surit rebuffs his come on and says he's not lying for Tenel. He's just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Tenel's like, what? (laughs) Who does things just because it's the right thing to do? Who are you? (laughs) Everyone has an ulterior motive, Surit. Come on. (sighs) Okay, so they're flying to the chaotic space. They're searching for wreckage. Tennell gets a notification that he's supposed to report to the pilot specialist, but he deletes it because he's like, fuck that. I'm flying with the people who trained me. I like (laughs) them better than you. He learns during this period that he's able to use his mind and send it out into chaotic space to help navigate the ship. And it's kind of exhilarating and amazing and he loves it, but it's also risky because he starts to lose himself out in space. But Sir is able to call him back to his body using the priming area of his mind. Sir learns that he's the only non-pilot specialist to be synced to a reader, so it starts to look a little suspicious. Why, out of all, what, 42 synced 
pairs are we the only one that does not have a pilot specialist in our bond? That's interesting. <laughs> then there's a message from Oma that comes through. Turns out she got Tunnel's message. And then there's a pissing contest between Oma and Venice. Supposedly, Oma's pissed off that the cavalry were in Archer territory with a rank one architect and synced reader that they didn't really tell her about in the first place but i think she's also just playing her own political game this pissing contest is interrupted because the wreckage everyone was looking for may have been found and so tunnel gets sent off to the pilots the pilot specialists and sir is sent off to his own little area but tunnel is like no we need to keep an open calm so that we can still talk to each other. <laughs> You're the only person I trust. <laughs> and as a result, he's able to help Sir navigate safely through chaotic space to find the wreckage. And Sir learns it's from his mother's ship. And on this ship or in this wreckage are a lot of remnants. And as he's trying to return, another ship is trying to crash into his ship. And we're not sure exactly why that's happening. But Tennel is able to kind of jump into Surrit's head and help him navigate to safety. So even though they're not synced, he's able to do that. Is that why readers are bad? Maybe that's a reader thing. <laughs> Being able to ride along. How I remember the end, you find out that they're like the same readers and architects. There's not so much of a difference. Right. So maybe that's why. Maybe. It, it's true in real life. If you're constantly told that you're A, you don't try to be B sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. We sometimes try to be what we're told to be. Yeah. Fulfill those expectations. And those self-fulfilling prophecies. That our gen parents give us and our alt parents. How dare they? Well, to be fair, our, our genetics are more of the 50-50 rather than the... <laughs> I don't know exactly the, the percentage of the Gen Alt thing. I don't know if it's 75, 25. But it seems from the description in the books, it seems like whoever the Gen parent is, that's who you physically look more like. I think that's one way that you can tell who the Gen parent is. Yeah, it's interesting. It is. There, there's so much that we're not going to be able to say because there's just so much <laughs> stuff in the story, because clearly Maxwell has spent a bit of time with these thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if in a future book, if the author will delve into like family dynamics more. I think that would be interesting. I think maybe Maxwell is. They're just doing it on a much grander political scale. The politics of family. Yes, that's true. That's true. I was thinking more of like a boots on the ground sort of but yes, no, you're right. I think it's just much more epic. <laughs> All right. Everybody's safe. Everything's fine. And then mm -hmm. a bunch of archer ships show up and it looks like Oma is taking over, which means Tunnel has been rescued. Question mark, question mark, question mark. So he's in a cabin where he thinks he's locked, but or he is locked in initially, but he gets out and ends up having a meeting with Oma who seems to be on his side. Yeah, that was fucked up what they did to you. And no, 
you're allowed to be a reader and be fine. There shouldn't be a problem with that. But Tennell doesn't quite trust her, so he still pretends that he's synced with Surrit, and he wants to know what happened to Surrit. Where did he go? Alma's like, oh, don't worry, I took care of him for you. So Tennell asks for passage through the link, and instead Oma offers him a job and says, I'll make you a captain and you can try it out for two weeks and see if you want to stick around. And Tennell's like, well, I need Surrit though, because we're synced and we need to be nearby or else I don't feel good. Because that's a thing, right? (laughs) That's a thing? (laughs) (laughs) So Oma brings Surrit in. He's been a prisoner She lays a compulsion on him, which is like a really impressive right command that kind of just sits in the back of your subconscious till you get a trigger phrase. When Surit gets a trigger phrase, then he will have to return back to her office. And then she also commands him to never write Tennell again. The roles have now been switched. Tennell is in charge. Surit is the lowly peon. But Tennell is still trying to help Surrit because he feels like it's his fault Surrit's in this mess, I think. I think he feels loyalty to Surrit because Surrit has been loyal to him. I think he also feels kind of guilty because he feels like he kind of fucks up everything he touches. Which is, I mean, that's a Tennell problem, but he does feel that way. He winds up getting Surrit out of prison and puts him on his staff. So... He tells Surrit that he's now kind of the figurehead in charge of a district and he needs Surrit to help him run this district. And Surrit just kind of really excels at this shit. (laughs) (laughs) He kicks butt and takes names. He starts going through the mounds of paperwork, working to get the rest of the crew transferred over to tunnels so that they're all safe, taking care of problems and forcing Tennell to actually help take care of problems instead of ignore everything. Ten days pass like this where it feels like they've always worked together. They've always been together. They're living together. They get to know each other. They're just like a well-oiled machine. At one point, Surrit discovers the ex-governor was contacted by a reader's advocacy group and is now being accused of illegal communication. So we should probably talk a little bit about that. So... The Archer Link Station was originally governed by this dude named Barimi, but Barimi supposedly embezzled and therefore got deposed by the General Oma, who then took over the station and now she's the General Governor. And even though she's gotten numerous orders from the legislator to stop, (laughs) figure out the governing situation and step down, this is not a military base, She refuses. She's not going to relinquish her control. I want it. It's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's like a cat. (laughs) An evil cat. Well, all cats are, well, (laughs) whatever. Um, (laughs) Cats have their own code. They're not good or evil. They're just there. (laughs) They're all chaotic. Yes, you cannot judge a cat by human... (laughs) morality or ethics they have their own culture (laughs) their own way of being so anyway oma's trying to get rid of barimi and i think that's why he's being accused of illegal communication even though technically what he's done isn't illegal at this point 
Sir Intel go and meet with the ex-governor. He, of course, denies that he did that embezzling. He mentions that he's noticed some of Oma's officers acting strangely out of character, almost like they're being controlled by someone else. What? Oh, and they learn that the group Barimi was communicating with is the one that Tennell's sister joined. So this really freaks Tennell out and he has Surat delete all the charges. He's like, we're going to try to help you escape. (laughs) We want this to not bother my sister. So (laughs) bye. Later, Surat asked Tennell if he knows what happened to the remnants that they had found. Tennell's like, I don't know, but we can find out. So they go to one of the dinners that Tennell keeps getting invited to. And Tennell kind of neatly manipulates everyone around so that he's able to speak alone with the one person that he needs to talk to to learn what he can about the remnants. That was a really good scene. I'm not going to do it justice, so I'm not even going to bother trying to to describe (laughs) it. But I really enjoyed that scene. It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) It just really showcased Tennell's strengths. It gave Surat a chance to really appreciate what Tennell is capable of. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can basically do whatever he wants just by <laughs> sliding around like a little slippery fish. So supposedly the remnants were put into the archives and Tennell and Surat decide they're going to go check for themselves. They sneak in. There's this whole kind of tense scene where they're sneaking around and they end up finding out the remnants aren't there, but Surat does find his mother's wrist communicator and steals it. And at one point they're hiding from a guard in a really close space and Surat kisses Tennel. Tennel kisses him back. And then even though he doesn't really want to, he stops it because he's like, crap, I really like this, but I'm going to be leaving. And I don't think you're a casual sort of dude, are you? (laughs) because <laughs> I'd totally fuck you in the supply closet if you are. <laughs> but I don't think you are. So it's like, damn it. No, you're right. I'm not. Fuck. <laughs> the next morning, Surat unlocks his mother's wristband and finds a picture of her along with Tunnel's aunt and General Oma from 20 years ago when they were all part of the experiments that set this whole thing into motion. He's also able to recover some corrupted data that shows that three of Merritt's readers died in the lab that she later blew up and she was trying to stop the experiments. It exonerates his mother. He's grown up this whole time thinking she's a traitor and she was just trying to seek power. And now he's thinking, oh no, she was trying to do the right thing. He goes and tells Tennell what he learned and also that Oma was apparently there from the very beginning. So what does she know? What is her stake in this? What is her game? Tennell starts to recount what they know. All right. Oma deposed the former governor on shaky grounds, accusing him of embezzlement. Oma then got her hands on a ton of remnants and even more after taking over the cavalry ship. She's come into power super weirdly fast and the architects around her act weird like they're little puppets. Has Oma been using the remnants to mess with people's minds? They bring up the word brainwashing and they think, well, maybe Oma is brainwashing powerful architects. If so, they should probably just look into getting everybody out of Archer Station. You know, everyone on their ship and that governor. (laughs) Let's get, (laughs) let's help him out too. 
And they start working on that and they help Barini escape. And then soon after, Tennel is anonymously sent a resolution issued pass, which will enable him to leave through the link without Oma's permission. Sura is working on finalizing his escape with his rankers. He's got this whole plan to take over the ship that Venice was in charge of and put all his people on it. And they're going to fly off and escape from Archer Station. But while he's working on this, one of the captains shows up to inquire about the travel permits he's been issuing. And it's obvious that this captain is being controlled by someone. So it's like, you are not acting like yourself, dude. So he's taken into custody. Meanwhile, Tennel is at the link station preparing to leave when the station manager there passes him a communication from Oma. Oma has a lot to say. One, the legislator is coming for a visit and I'd like to meet with you to discuss tactics. Oh, and by the way, I also arrested Surit. But it's totally your choice if you want to come back. Whatever you want, Tennel, it's fine. <laughs> Tennel's like, well, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I think, yeah, he was going to leave. He was going to leave because yeah. he thought Surit was safe. But now he can't because Surit's not safe. Wrench me plans. He he owes him. He's loyal to him. Does he care about him? I don't know. Do you know? Maybe. I have an inkling. Does Tennel know? Mm. No. Tennel doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tennel has no emotional intelligence. What are you talking about? Tennel knows nothing. <laughs> Tunnel goes back and meets with Oma. She's kind of starting to suspect him a little bit. She mentions about how they quote unquote lost Barini. Then she brings up his plan to escape. So how are you going to get Surit to join you on Link? And then Tunnel prevaricates. He asks her about the remnants. Oma pulls out a box of remnants digs her hand around in it <laughs> the, okay so it sounds silly but dude it sounds just so like when you're reading this book you're thinking ah ew like why'd you stick your hand in there that's so bad it's so dangerous for you <laughs> please don't <laughs> you know it's like she stuck her her hand in like a huge tub of electric eels or something you know and she's just like petting them all or something <laughs> you're just kind of like Ooh, why <laughs> uh she starts doing that villain monologue sort of thing no i'm not brainwashing people that's not nearly nuanced enough for what i'm doing <laughs> and she like blast this vision into Tennel's brain about, you know, she's the center hub of like all these spokes of light that connect to other people. And she's essentially forcing a sink with multiple people using these remnants. She does reveal she can't do it to readers or people who are already synced. So you're safe, sort of, not really. She tries to convince Tennel to side with her against the legislator she shows him a bunch of propaganda that she's released that makes it look like Tennel is already on Oma's side using footage from all the stuff he's been doing as captain. She suggests they could try to sever Tennel's sink, even though it might kill Surit, but that's fine. You don't really care about him, do you? Tennel's like, <laughs> no, I kind of want him to be alive, actually. I'd prefer him breathing, just, you know, because that's nice. <laughs> And then Oma starts putting things together and realizes that they have been lying this whole time about being synced. 
because there was really no plan for Surt to go through the link too. They get interrupted. The legislator is docking. Oma says she needs to speak with Surt urgently. Tennel's like going, fuck, 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 fuck. And so he pretends he's going to join with Oma and says, oh, I'll get him for you. So when he goes and finds Surit, he manages to sort of catch him up. But he's like, yeah, we got about 30 seconds to sink. Um, otherwise, you're going to sink with Oma and you won't like that. She will force you. It will be bad. <laughs> so again, there's really no choice, is there? Nope. I guess there's a choice in that Surit can choose Oma or Tennel. Tennel really doesn't have a choice because he's still sinking with Surit, but he's willing to to save him. So they do, and it's this big momentous thing where they're crashing their minds together. Now it's like there are two people or one person in two bodies. It's really weird and awkward. And how do we control two bodies while we're over being one mind? This is what? <laughs> <laughs> Is this normal? Is this supposed to happen? That was something that didn't really get answered. I think, though, in other cases, it's the architect taking full control, as is their due. (laughs) And sir, it just won't do that. Yeah. Maybe it's because his, his one parent was like a traitor, but he really doesn't feel like he's due anything. But I think that's also the mind of, of being quote-unquote, in service in general. I don't know. I mean, these other synced pilots apparently think they're due. I mean, the whole military in this story seems pretty corrupt. Yeah, because I don't think they have anything close to them that they can really fight with, right? Like, they basically fight within themselves because there's nothing else that's close. Yeah. That they can get away with fighting with. Really? I mean, because if they go against anybody else who's in part of the agreement, I know that's the wrong word, but then they'd get in trouble. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. They're just kind of me, 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 me. It's kind of like rats in a cage. Oh, poor rats. I know, I hate that, but you're going to conflict with who's around you. So they're synced. It's wonky, but they're trying to make it work. And they get back to Oma and Tennel confronts her. Ha ha ha, you cannot sink him. I got to him first. Screw you. (laughs) Oma's like, well, I'll deal with this in a minute. I'm meeting with the legislator now. And when the legislator shows up, Oma basically just shoots her in the chest right away. Boom, you're dead. Ha ha. And then fighting ensues. Yeah, I was surprised at the quick shooting. Yeah, I found it surprising as well. I was expecting... I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting Oma to to kill her, though. Yeah, especially since they came in like, oh, look, we don't have any weapons. We're so peaceful. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, no. No, that's a trick. (laughs) I don't buy that. And then when she went down, I was like, oh, shit. Wow, that was stupid on your part. Yeah, well, she did bring a bunch of ships with her, so it's a full-on war now, Yeah, she clearly didn't trust her too much but yeah the obvious good faithedness of that was like uh this feels this feels like it's a problem yeah and it seemed weird for the legislator to think like that of all people too because she seems to have all these machinations and everything you would think that she would have suspected more especially since she knew oma during the fight tenel and surit escaped to the ship using surit's previous escape plan and they make it out along with crew members 
including Estara and Basabi, who are two side characters that keep popping up. They're both really cool. Estara is the one who taught Tunnel how to pilot. I'm not talking about them much because I'm trying to get through this in <laughs> less than <laughs> 50 hours. So yeah, there's a lot for the escapist and who really wants to be immersed in a story. I think it's great. For review purposes, we cannot talk about all the things. We don't have all the hours to talk about all the things. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so now they're quasi-escaped, but the crew is starting to notice that Surat and Tennel aren't acting the way they used to be acting. They seem kind of weird now, completing each other's sentences, and sometimes Tennel stops breathing because he forgets <laughs> to be in his body. Just normal synced person things, y'all. It's fine. They intercept a broadcast that is Zen, Tennel's sister, talking about how Oma murdered her aunt and plans to take over Orshan Central, and she urges everyone to support the lawful election of a new legislator instead. So Zen is being really political right away at 16. Go her. Woohoo! And then they also receive some mysterious coordinates that seem to lead to the lab where the remnants came from. And they decide, okay, we'll go to the lab. What else are we going to do? Three days pass as they're traveling to the lab, and Tennel is starting to find it easier and easier to lose himself in Surat's mind than to stay separated. Surat is feeling really worried about this. I'm probably not explaining it very well, but the book really gives you this sense of Tennel losing himself, losing his identity, like kind of letting go of it. Yeah. Because it's just easier to let Surat do things because he's a better adult than Tennel is. <laughs> anyway, so Surat's worried about this. He doesn't want Tennel to disappear. So they go talk to a medic to see if there's a way they can separate the sink without one of them dying. Turns out the answer is no. The reader can be saved. And often the reader will have architect abilities afterward. But if you want to try it, we could do it. We have the machine on this ship ready for that sort of procedure if, if you want to. And boy, doesn't that sound a little funky. Why does this particular <laughs> ship have this particular med bay with this particular machine that could do this sort of thing? Was this all planned? Yeah. Was this Tennel's aunt's plan to fix him? Maybe. I don't know. That sounds very, very machination-y. I don't know. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. <laughs> Tennel helps them all navigate through some chaotic space, and while he's out there, while his mind is out there in space, literally, he decides, you know, I could just abandon my body and let my consciousness stay in space, and then sir, it'll be fine. While he's in space, he also has some revelations, kind of, about the remnants, and starts to figure out that these are actually the remains of the aliens, the beings who existed before. Everyone who's been genetically altered are kind of part alien now. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you think about it, Surat does not want Tennel to lose his mind, literally in space. And so he well, forcibly kind of drags his mind back <laughs> into his body and pieces it together using all the things he knows about him and how well he knows him by being synced to him. But they keep getting more and more merged. It just continues to degrade they are a legion <laughs> <laughs> maybe they will be maybe they'll merge with other architects and, <laughs> and then they'll become legion 
Surya ends up getting a private communication and he opens it stupidly and it's from the general using the trigger command to make him come back. He acts very unlike himself and uses his architect abilities to write Tennel into compliance, tells everyone they need to turn the ship around and makes Tennel agree with him. Istara and Basavi are starting to suspect something and they're able to distract Surat long enough for Tennel to be able to tell them that Surat is being compelled. So then Istara shoots Surat. <laughs> Not dead. He wakes up in the med bay Apparently uncompelled now, which I didn't quite understand why he wasn't compelled anymore. But Tennel explains it's not brainwashing. Don't worry. By the way, let's kill your comm functions. <laughs> Maybe don't answer messages, sir. That's bad for us. We want to be sneaky. Oops. There are some archer ships moving to intercept them. They were waiting for Sir to return. Sir is feeling guilty. He feels more and more like a liability. He's worried about Tennel. He doesn't want Tennel to lose himself. He doesn't like that he was compelled. He didn't even realize that he could be compelled because he has such high architect ability. He decides to go into a little, what do they call it? A tug, I think, but it's kind of like a little capsule ship and leave, go over to Archer by himself. He sends Basavi a command to stay on course. Because he helped Tennel put his mind back together, he's able to separate out which parts in his brain are Tennel and which parts of his brain are Surat. And then as he's flying off, he severs the connection between them, breaking the sink. And this is not a good feeling. <laughs> he can feel his mind slowly crumbling. Whoops. He has a plan to take care of General Oma. As kind of a last hurrah before he dies, but he's really not doing well. And he gets pulled in by the archer ship and bye-bye Surit. So Tennel passed out due to this. And when he wakes up, it's three days later. He can tell Surit is gone. He knows Surit is not in his head. He knows the link is broken. And he also knows how to write now. So he has architect knowledge now, but he's not really interested in using it. And he also realizes he's in love with Surit. At this point, they've made it to the lab and discover that his aunt is alive. <gasps> Yay! Tennel is pissed off. Was this just a plot of hers? Like, did she plan to pretend to die? She would never. And also, how dare she try to kill Surit? She would never? Oh, she would totally. <laughs> we get a little information from the aunt. She explains that in the beginning, everyone was an architect and a reader, but they were unstable until they got stabilized and separated out. And that the war actually wasn't a reader rebellion. The readers were just a scapegoat. Yenny blew up the lab to force the experiments to stop. Tennel discovers his aunt has a scanner thing that can nullify the remnants for a few hours. So he thinks he's going to take the scanner and go try to save Surat and stop Oma. If he scans Oma's remnants, then maybe that'll set all those architects free, at least for a little bit or something. And it'll also, I guess, kind of nullify Oma's power, at least the extra power, maybe. Yeah, so Tennel's aunt doesn't want him to go. And she tries to get him to stay and join up with her. But Tennel's like, fuck you. I am going. <laughs> and he does. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, Sir is fading away. It's been two weeks at this point, And he's 
now unconscious more often than he's conscious. He feels like a failure. He's kind of ready to give up. And then he finds a basic communication that says there's a battleground in the halls and he realizes that his side must be fighting back finally. And on the visual feed, he recognizes Estara and he's like, oh, my peeps are here. Oh my gosh, I better not give up after all. He becomes super badass. He like pulls up all his energy and just starts writing people right and left and making his way to Oma. It's very much like these are not the droids you're looking for sort of situation. <laughs> no, you want me to be here. You will let me pass. He makes it into the control room as he's losing steam. He's starting to fight unconsciousness. He does not want to pass out because that means he will fail. In the control room, he gets a message from Venice to lower the shields. Sir, it's like, yeah, no, we got some of our people in here, too. Venice is like, no, they're all traitors. <laughs> so Sir's like, fuck you, I'm not lowering the shields. And he ends the communication. He finally is starting to understand his mom's thinking. He realizes what sort of decision she made, and he chooses to be an explosion instead of a tool. And so he goes off to continue to look for Oma. But before he makes it, he falls. I think he gets hit by an explosion or something. And he thinks he's finally dying and he failed again. And oh, woe is him. And Tenel shows up and is like, no, we're rescuing you. You can't be dying. Ha ha. He restores the sink. Surt realizes he's in love with Tenel. They kiss. Tenel's like, congrats. We're both half dead aliens. Yay. <laughs> Just what you've always wanted. Surt's like, I don't care what we are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's hard to say that right. Half dead aliens, right? Not half dead aliens. Yes. We're half dead aliens. We're half of a dead alien? Yeah. We're part of a half of a dead alien. Not half dead. Half dead alien. Yes. Yes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So they make a plan to infiltrate the legislator's residence because Tennell's familiar with that. it having been his aunt's residence up until recently and they find oma there she's with the remnants she is all about the power she's glowing she's cracking it's crazy she has like over 400 people in her head and each sink seems to make her less and less human and it's just this whole thing it's kind of creepy and gross Mm -hmm. and then we have a mind battle (laughs) which i'm not going to do justice at all just let it suffice. It was cool. Yes. It made sense in the book. Yes. Had to be there. Yes. As part of the mind battle, it is Tenel and Surit against Oma plus 400. <laughs> she is just um, way more powerful than them, but they are tricky and they're able to hide. They find the center of the link and realize that it's a hub to a network of tunnels. And so they lure Oma to attack them. Like they hang out in front of one of the tunnels and they're like, yeah, 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 can't get me. And Oma attack goes to attack them and they dodge and then they trap her in the tunnel and tunnel seals it shut behind her. So she's all, her mind is stuck in this space tunnel now. Sucks to be her. And this was very epic and spacey and cool. Yes. And makes no sense when I'm talking about it. Like I said, you kind of had to be there. (laughs) 
And now back in the office. So their minds return to their bodies, except Oma's. Oma's mind is gone. It's stuck in the space tunnel. Surit's mind is also gone. He used all his power helping Tennel, and so he's kind of lost in space, kind of the way Tennel was before. And Tennel starts putting Surit's mind back together, like Surit had done for him before. And one of the things he realizes is that Surit loves him back. What? He didn't know it, but he's like, something's missing here, something's missing. He's like, wait, he loves me too. And then he figures it out and puts it back in. And yay, Surit's back together. Surit wakes up and they realize they're no longer linked and they realize, oops, I didn't give you back your architecture power, Surit. I forgot. Or actually, I didn't really know them, like how I know the rest of you. So I didn't really know to put them in there. Surit's like, no, it was fine. I was kind of like a supervillain before. (laughs) So I'm good. I don't mind. I live most of my life not using them anyway. And then Zin shows up. She's been looking for Tunnel. Venice is also there. He tries to exert authority. It does not go well for him. They're all like, fuck you. We do not listen to you anymore. And then the resolution shows up. They're like, y'all violated the treaty. This is terrible. We're going to start questioning everyone. (laughs) So everyone is like being questioned and they lie about the remnants thing. And then it's Surit's turn and he tells them all about the remnants. Yeah. (laughs) Oma has a bunch of remnants, and you probably need those. Sorry. I have this thing where I can't tell a lie. I get hives. <laughs> Everyone's, like, all pissed off at him. He's like, what? It's true. <laughs> tell me I'm lying. <laughs> Tennel is about to get questioned, but Zin jumps in on his behalf and pulls out the legal jargon and then tells the resolution all about the sinks which they also didn't know about, and everyone was kind of keeping secret. (laughs) The resolution does not like this. They say, this is bad. We will now audit you. Part of this audit is they want to take Surit with them to examine him, but Tennel says he's going to go in Surit's place. Hasn't he been through enough, guys? It's all my fault anyway. Surit gets discharged from the military. Instead of sad or whatever, he feels free. He's kind of happy. He goes and starts exploring the city. And then that night he calls his other parent and tells them everything. And it's kind of nice. A few days pass. He applies for a job. He's like, I can be normal now. This is cool. Turns out the interviewer for the job is Zen. And she says, oh, I can get you a much better job than this one. And then Tennel shows up. He and Surit go walking through the city. They confess they missed each other. We find out Tennel's going to be gone with the resolution for six months. There's this sort of implied, will you wait for me sort of thing. And then they kiss. And the end. I did it. You did it. I'm so proud. I left so much out. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. So much out. We could not have covered it all. We really couldn't have. (laughs) No. Talk about mind lost. How is the audiobook? Ocean's Echo is narrated by Raphael Corkhill, who also narrated Winter's Orbit. So if you enjoyed his narration before, you have the opportunity to enjoy it again. Uh, I feel like he did a really good job with the couples, as well as the various personalities of the nefarious and not nefarious. His his voice is, is calming. <laughs> so, yay. So if you like that, yay. 
There will be more of that. Are you happy for them? I'm happy they aren't pawns anymore and getting forced to do shit they didn't want to do. Yes. So that's where I am. What about you? I'm kind of in the same boat as you because they're not really together at the end, are they? They don't feel very together. It feels like they plan to be together later. Yes. They definitely love each other. Yeah, there's definitely affection there. I think they'll find their way to it. I mean, there's definitely potential for that. Now that they're no longer getting puppeted or trying to be puppeted by people. And hopefully Tunnel has some better control over his power now. I'm hoping so. Since his aunt really got what she wanted at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, there's that disturbing conversation at the end with Tunnel and her. Well... Takes a certain kind of person to want power. <laughs> Just like you, Tunnel. What you don't like about yourself. <laughs> They're very useful traits in certain arenas. <laughs> well, let's rate them! Uh-huh. Speaking of Tunnel, how do you rate him? I thought he was a selfish little bastard, but very fun. It makes <laughs> sense, you know? The more someone wants you to do something, of course you're going to have to push back. To keep your sanity. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought he was awesome. I thought he was fun. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And then what horrible thing are you going to do to drive him nuts? (laughs) It's funny to me, like, when characters don't see how other people seem to see them. It's that whole, like, oh, wait, they liked me? I had no idea. But I'm an asshole. Yeah, like, there's that one scene where after they first sink, he realizes how Surrey truly sees him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? (laughs) That is not, you know, especially given his experiences, he didn't know what to look for. Yeah. So what about you? Rate the tunnel. How was the tunnel? Oh, he is awesome and amazing. I love tunnel. Yay. He was, like like you said, just kind of (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. Took noncompliance to an extreme level, but they deserved it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of the stuff he did kind of relatable. Like, it makes sense that he would fight back against people trying to force him into things. Uh Uh-huh. Throw the law at them and whatnot. I will find the loophole, and then I will exploit. All the loopholes. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though he didn't really give himself any credit, I think even at the end of the book, he didn't give himself this credit, but... He, he's really protective of the people he cares about. Mm-hmm. And he's a really loyal person. Yeah. Once he is sure that you are loyal to him, he will return that. But it makes sense, given the world that he lives in, that he's not just blindly loyal. Right. It's like, you, you do kind of have to put in the work first. Kind of like with a cat. He is totally a cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. And I bet you like him even more now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's possible, but yes. (laughs) How did you rate Surrit? I sometimes struggled with Surrit, but overall I thought he was awesome. He's just so, so earnest, so blind to certain things. You really can't see the evil, can you? But then once it is pointed out, of course, it's difficult, I think, in his position, because he just has to go along with whatever he's told, to a degree. He's not supposed to have a say. What about you? 
So he's a total golden retriever type hero. Yeah. Just so sweet and good and lovable. I thought he was awesome. He does come off at least initially a little naive, but I think it's a choice for him. You think it's like a survival technique? I don't know. I think he sees the world as the way he thinks it should be, you know, and he works to make it that way. Yeah. He's like, I know the world isn't perfect, but I'm going to keep my side of the street clean. Yeah, and he's idealistic, and he doesn't allow that to get lost, even though bad shit happens. Yes. And he does have his own personal set of rules, too. He's not willing to compromise his own ethics for the military. He doesn't just do orders because he's supposed to. Yeah, because he doesn't sink tunnel. Yeah, he he's not going to do something that he thinks is wrong just because he's told to do it. That's why at the end of the book, he wants to be discharged because he doesn't feel like the machine he was a cog in was actually doing good things. He doesn't want to be part of that machine anymore. I don't know. It's hard not to like him, I think, because of his strength of character, just that strong moral compass of his, and he refuses to diverge from it. I find that admirable. I really liked it. Yeah. And it was a good foil for Tunnel, because yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways, they are opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when they had to work together, they could work together very well, because they both fulfilled different roles. Yeah, they complemented each other really well. Yeah, the tasks they liked to do were different enough to where they didn't Necessarily step on each other's toes, but could compliment. So what about the villains? <laughs> so I just kind of summed them all up because I didn't want to have to worry about names. So basically anybody with power. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you know, except for maybe the one dude that got deposed a lot. But even then. <laughs> oh, Beermer. Yeah. Even then. I think it's just because I don't know his <laughs> evil. But yeah, basically anyone with power, because anybody with power was trying to make them do stuff. Ergo, antagonistic. Were they effective? I think they were effective. I think they were also realistic, because they all had their agendas, and so they were all trying to accomplish their goals and moving the our main characters around their chessboard or whatever. What about you? Oh, I agree with you. All the powerful people, they were all evil. They were all effective. I singled out a few of them. So there's Commander Venice, who is the one who essentially tried to force them to sink once they came under his command. And then later, when he tells Surit that everyone is a traitor, it's revealed that he really doesn't have that same moral compass that Surit does. He just follows orders. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, like your low-level middle manager who just follows orders and doesn't care about how it affects people. And you're just like, fuck you. Why do you exist? <laughs> because I just say yes. <laughs> and then, of course, there's General Oma, who I thought was very effective. She was a very interesting villain. I guess her main motivation was just power. Again, but I kind of feel like it would have been nice to get a little bit more of a reveal as to why she wants that so bad. Yeah. Is she just crazy or 
completely corrupted or is there some other thing feeding this that would make her seem more human? Yes, I need the power, so therefore I seem like I'm strong. I think the most interesting antagonist by far was the legislator, Tennell's aunt. Yeah, I agree. She was extremely effective, very interesting character. I think she was one of the more complicated characters in the story because she, I think in her mind, was doing the best she could for Tunnel. Yeah. (laughs) They're lucky that it worked out the way that they did because, I mean, Tunnel was really struggling. Yeah. So (laughs) maybe he really did need those architect abilities to help keep him from having the headaches and having his mind fill open and, and all of those things. It's just really unfortunate that the way to do that was to almost kill someone he loved. Well, it just makes me kind of wonder, like, there was probably another way to do it. But the legislator didn't know or didn't care or thought maybe this way was easier. Because the way General Oma was using the artifacts, it makes it seem like I bet they could have done something to kind of open that side of tunnel without making him sink with anyone. Yeah, it makes me kind of wonder about the other really strong readers, too. Because are they suffering like Tunnel did? I kind of feel like it's almost a slavery thing, you know? Yeah, and what's their sinking experience like? Was Tunnel and Surit's abnormal? We don't really interact too much with anyone else who sank. No, we don't. So I don't know if... They had a really, because their their reaction seems super intense, like maybe more intense than normal, because it doesn't seem like super functional <laughs> for the people experiencing it. Right. They come to the conclusion that it must be abnormal, because why else would anyone do this? Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it's one of those things like, oh, just, I have questions. But back to the legislator, I just thought she was fascinating. I really appreciated that Tennell did get to confront her. Um, It wasn't necessarily as satisfying as he probably wanted it to be. (laughs) But that was kind of realistic. And yeah, she's just a really interesting character. I thought she was effective. Would you put Surit's gen parent? Merit? Yes. Would you put Merit in that category? We don't really know a whole lot about Merit. She's more of a misunderstood character, I think. Well, she is, but from Surit's perspective... Yeah, she's gone down in history as a traitor because of the people who wrote history. Yes. Yeah, from Surit's perspective, sure, she's... Because it's like, I'm not going to be like that person. So he defines himself. Well, not only that, but like her reputation has made his life harder. Yes. So simply by being her kid, he's had to struggle. Yes. So, yeah, in a way... Yeah. Just curious. I didn't feel it as strongly as I felt Tell's aunt. It's more like her legacy that's the antagonist than her, I suppose. Gotcha. How did you rate the book? I like the book. I gave it a four. What about you? I rated it five. Ooh-woo. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of funny that I enjoy this book and, and the previous book so much because they're very political and kind of epic-y. And it's just not like my usual fare, I guess. (laughs) But I super love the world building so much that I think it balances out. And 
the writer does such a good job with creating really interesting characters, you know, multidimensional characters. And so I really appreciate that. Well, did you feel romanced? Oh, that's a tough one. Because, like I said before, I don't feel like they're really together. I feel like they have chemistry. And I feel like the kissing was good. And I feel like they're probably going to be together. But I don't really feel like the story was... It was like a prelude to a romance almost, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But I did feel romanced by the story in general. I think in large part due to the world building and just the whole mind power thing, this author's take on it and the extra information we get about the remnants in this book and just this idea of like these spooky long dead aliens and like their little body parts are just floating around in space. (laughs) and The people who are alive now want to find them and use them or something. It's just really creepy and gross (laughs) so i like that a lot what about you Uh, yeah it's tricky because i agree with you i don't feel like the story ended with them so much as a couple maybe pre-couple the intention to couple i was definitely captivated by the story i really enjoy the world building it in the world and all that good stuff but as far as being romanced no but i agree with you that they have chemistry but i think Given the situation they found themselves in, I'm kind of not surprised because <laughs> then it would be like how much of it would have been of their volition and not under some sort of duress or some sort of pressure. I also appreciated that there was sort of like this realism to them getting together or not getting together in this book. That first time they kiss and Tennel's like, so I'm leaving Are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) I totally am on board if you want to, but I don't think you really do. They just didn't get their moment in this story. Yeah. But I feel like they will. Yeah. Like I said, they have the intention to couple. I think they will. I mean, if for no other reason, then I don't think... (laughs) This is where I think Tuttle's selfishness will play out because it's like there's no way he's gonna walk away from someone who thinks he's amazing (laughs) oh is he that (laughs) self-serving maybe maybe (laughs) but maybe he'll be less self-serving when he no longer has his abilities to constantly contend with and sort of feed that monster he can see beyond himself a little bit better yeah Maybe. What else have you been reading? So, I just finished, as of today, (laughs) I'm going to fumble with this title. Bear with me. OMG, WTF, Does the Constitution Actually Say? (laughs) By Ben Sheeran. (laughs) That's the title, but then, like, I guess the subtitle or whatever is A Non-Boring Guide to How Our Democracy is Supposed to Work. Assuming it is supposed to work away. That little snarky added part was obviously not part of it. If you do the audiobook version, it is narrated by the author as well as Candace Renee. There is a version in Spanish. I don't know if there's an audiobook version in Spanish. I hope there will be more versions in other languages, but that that's not really my area. That's up to Mr. Sharon and his publishers. <laughs> 
it is interesting. And if you do the audiobook version, it's engaging. He has a very frank, humorous, and conversational tone throughout. It's very enlightening. I had no idea that we like to impeach justices and judges so much, but apparently we do. New information. So yeah, I think it's a good starting point for anybody who is curious about the, what the Constitution actually says, because a lot of people think things are in the Constitution that aren't. That's true. I do wish, I don't know, I think it's just my nerdiness, but like, I wish there was more context that he was able to provide, but I understand like him wanting to stick closer to what he was trying to accomplish. Do you mean like historical context or what? Yeah, like more historical context. But I I appreciate that that's not what he's trying to accomplish. I'm just a greedy bitch and want it. <laughs> like that, that's more of a me thing than the author making a promise that they were going to provide that and then didn't. It's not. <laughs> he he delivers on exactly what he says he wants to and he, he translates it very well, updates it uh, so that it can be understood. We don't talk like they did. That's the thing with historical documents. You really do have to kind of understand the time in which they're written. You know, it's like you take what the writers and what was important to them and the amenders. And it's interesting to me how frequently how they scheduled things like around farming comes up. Oh, yeah. And the topic of enslaved people comes up. And they were very, very worried about treason. Gee, I wonder why. Exactly. Hmm. Maybe it's because you did a little bit of treason. <laughs> what? I know. So, it's a good book. It's fun. I don't know if you are at all interested in it, but if you are, I recommend it. Anyway, what have you been reading? It's probably something not as weird. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound weird at all. It sounds educational. It is. I did not read anything educational. I'm recommending an entire series. Oh, wow. Seven books. That's ambitious. The series is called Stay a Spell by Juliet Cross. The first book is called Wolf Gone Wild. The tying element between all these books is a group of sisters who happen to be witches. And each book has one of the sisters as the main heroine. I'll talk a little bit about the first book because... You have to read them in order. They don't really stand alone. Hmm. So in the first book, we have the sister Evie, who is a curse breaker. Oh. That's her special witchy power. And she is approached by a werewolf who has been cursed to not be able to shift into his wolf form. And it's driving him literally crazy. There is bias in the supernatural community against werewolves they're seen as like these really violent out of control sort of creatures and so for evie to help him she kind of goes against all that and it starts a chain of events that continues throughout the rest of the series even though each is about a distinct couple there's this overarching storyline that includes werewolf rights (laughs) (laughs) so y'all have probably heard me before talking about how i don't like werewolf stories and shifters and all this you know it's not usually my thing but the reason i read this first book is i was enticed by the idea that this wolf is a cursed werewolf 
So he's not like a wolf shifter. He belongs to a bloodline that was literally cursed to turn into wolves at the full moon. You know, like the werewolf story, <laughs> like the yeah. original. Like the classic. Yes, like the classic, which is the kind of werewolf that I like and think is interesting. You know, the cursed man. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. But yeah, all the books were great. There's a combination of werewolves, vampires, and then another type of supernatural called Grimm. Huh. Which you learn a little bit more as the series continues. Oh, we don't get to know that now. Oh, okay. I'm not going to tell you now. No spoilers. Rude! <laughs> and each of the sisters, each of the six sisters, winds up with her man. Yay! Lots of humor, lots of fun, um, some interesting things about werewolves like I talked about, and the vampires are kind of cool too, which sounds weird to say because I don't really like vampires either. Yeah, it's just, you can't see, but my eyebrows are raised in surprise. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was surprised too. <laughs> and the Grimms are great. I really like the Grimms. They're probably my fave. Now I need to know what they are. Oh. You'll have to read it. I know that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I knew where that street was headed. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave you hanging. Rude. Oh, about the Constitution book. If you or anybody is interested in participating more, he gives some very easy ways on how to do that. Won't take oh, too much of cool. your time. But if you want to make your voice heard, this is how. He is very into civic involvement. He's like, we need to have more of this in school. That's why people, they get so confused because they don't understand. Because <laughs> we don't hardly teach it at all. We really don't. That's true. So yes, avoid being a lame duck and learn about the Constitution. Anyway. And vote in all elections, not just national ones. The local ones are important too. Yes, participate, please. All right. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for our social media, show notes, other episodes, our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. Um, come find us on our social media. We're not there. <laughs> come find where we're not. <laughs> well, we don't monitor it, but there are links. And maybe we will when we have more time and spoons. Yeah. Okay. Awkward <laughs> transition time. It's my turn. It's your favorite. <laughs> I know. Woohoo. Uh, were you romanced by tunnel insert story? Let us know what you think if you feel like it. Otherwise, join us next time when we discuss Bound to the Battle Gods by Ruby Dixon. I love Ruby. I know you do. They're bright and shiny. How many books are in that series? series, right? Yeah, it's an ongoing series. Oh, the fourth one just got released. Oh, I think it's all the series. But, I mean, maybe it will be. Oh, I hope so, because I really like it. <laughs> I guess because I tend to think of our series as being very long, probably because of that barbarian one. Yes, that one is, is very long. And it spiraled off into others that are also really long. <laughs> she is a prolific author. Yes, you sent me a chart. I was like, anytime a flow chart is needed. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh, I did, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow, that is intimidating. That's a lot. You have to know how they all start and how they feed into each other. Yeah, it was just impressive and terrifying, but impressive. <laughs> Hence the love. 